You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Inqueezable squabbling squires. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 134, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your practically praiseworthy prancing pranksters. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. I am having a Rod Stewart moment. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Raspy voice. So I apologize. I went on a bender this weekend. <laughs> and then uh, I, I was gone this weekend in Anaheim for BlizzCon, which is a gaming convention featuring all of Blizzard's games. And I met actually a couple of Good Job Brain listeners. Oh, so, nice. awesome. Yeah, thanks yeah. for saying hi. Yeah. Oh, nerds to listen to the yeah. show. Blizzard, <laughs> Blizzard makes World of Warcraft. Yes, mm-hmm. and StarCraft and yeah. Diablo and yeah. the new But game. primarily now Hearthstone. Hearthstone. Which is where they get all their money from. It was great. I had lots of fun. I really liked meeting all the people who said hi. So. Nice. Yeah. And then well, you well. killed them and took their loot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it works. Hunter Hunter Pence, right, of the San Francisco so Giants, Giants he was baseball there. team. Yeah. Oh, he was there? He was there. <laughs> I was going to say, he just he's into Hearthstone, he's right? But he's super into Hearthstone. But he was there. And he's very good. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. He's Giants. good at baseball, too. World Series. <laughs> <laughs> P.S. Yeah. So it was super fun, but the drawback is now my voice is Shot. Uh, well, well, it's not that bad. I'll, I'll rally. Yeah, we'll rush sound... you out to karaoke immediately so yeah. you can sing Maggie May and play to your strengths. Get the Tom Waits playbook up. Have I told you lately that I love you? Oh, that's good. Oh, are you Rod Stewart? <laughs> I closed my eyes for a moment. <laughs> we have an um actually from the last episode. Um, I had a question about Ice Age the movie. I had some questions about Ice Age the movie and who various characters were. Sid was the sloth in Ice Age, um, the movie, played by John Leguizamo. And Diego was the saber-toothed tiger, played by Dennis Leary. Mm. Yes. Thanks to all you eagle-eared, bat-eared. Um, bat-eared? Bat-eared. Elephant-eared. <laughs> Elephant-eared. Elephant-eared listeners. Uh, listeners uh, yeah. who, who wrote us. Sometimes our brains fart. It happens, man. It was the email from Dennis Leary that really... Yeah, that, that's yeah. stung the most. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, without further ado, let's jump into our first trivia segment, Pop Quiz! Hot Shot! And note that I did not say general, because we have, uh, as we're waiting for our new batch of Trivial Pursuit cards, uh, here we have some trivia cards from the game Foodie Fight. Ah. So they're all food-related stuff. Okay. So it's not general. Okay, and this, it's highly specific trivia. It is, and this, this man, it's pretty deep, so we'll, we'll see all what right. happens. It's for foodies. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. it's for foodies, all right. which, which I think all of us which are. Which we are, yeah. yeah. So we'll well, see. Sure. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> um, I consume food. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, you guys have your Morning Zoo Radio buzzers out. Let's start our foodie adventure. Question number one. Oh, they're categorized, but I don't know what the categories are. Anyways. Oh, all right. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, you, you, yellow question. Who wrote in his 1825 work, The Physiology of Taste, quote, tell me what you eat and I shall tell you what you are. Oh, I've heard that you, quote. You know where you heard that quote from? Old the Brown, sky. probably. No, the... <laughs> Japanese Iron Chef. Oh! It always started with Chairman Kaga reading this intro. And then... That's too early for, like, James Beard or... Yeah, or, like, Jacques Pepin or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Who who is it? Who is it? The answer is Jean-Anthelm Bria-Severin. Okay. See? Tough. We're off to a good start here. How do you spell last name? B-R-I-L-L-A-T dash S-A-V-A-R-I-N. Savarin. Like yep. the last Savarin. part is kind of like savory. Savory. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Brilliant savor. Uh, like you can kind of fudge it on the trivia sheet. Like right. Right, oh, right, yeah. right. Some of the first few letters and like it's in French. <laughs> <Trafalse>. <laughs> like, <laughs> All right. Next question, which is a purple star. What time-saving kitchen tool was Dan Aykroyd hawking in a 1976 Saturday Night Live sketch? Oh. Colin. I think that was the Bassomatic. Yes, Bassomatic. Bassomatic. Yes. Ravko's Super Bassomatic 76. Yes, which is wow. essentially just him dropping fish into a blender. Ew. Ew. It is pretty gross. It's pretty gross. Like yeah. a like a like a rot like a whole rot. a whole fish into a blender. Yeah. And then what? And turning it on and <laughs> yeah. 
Greensprout question, what did CW Post introduce in 1897 claiming it prevented appendicitis, helped cure tuberculosis, and tightened loose teeth? Chris. <laughs> cornflakes. Incorrect. What? Well, he called it post toasties, but it was cornflakes, right? Incorrect. No, but I just what said cornflakes, it? and it's not. Yeah. CW. Po- okay, so what was it? Some kind of cereal. In- CW post introduced in 1897, claiming it prevented appendicitis, helped cure tuberculosis, and okay. tightened loose teeth. Tightened loose teeth. Oh, because was it grape nuts? Was it grape nuts? It's grape nuts. That was his his second big. How does that tight? I always feel like they're loosening. Yeah, if anything, you take a tooth out. Yeah. Yeah. It's also an excellent exfoliant, too. So, you know. Scrapes your tongue. Food or not food. Yeah. Yeah. Also, kitty litter. Very good. They love digging in that stuff. (laughs) Yep. It smells so nutty. Yep. Takes the rust right off your car bumper. You can fix uh, loose beanie babies with it. Just fill them right back up. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Until it rains. Sure. And then it just expands. Yeah. Good old grape nuts. I love grape nuts. I like yeah, grape nuts. They're too. really good, yeah. but they are they work. You yeah. feel yeah. like you're working. It's yeah. a it's a divisive cereal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Teal server question. What is often served accompanied by baguettes, nuts, and condiments made of fruit paste? Accompanied baguettes? by baguettes, nuts, nuts. and fruit. Condiments what? made che- of fruit cheese? paste? Probably. Cheese? Pate. Oh yeah. Wow. yeah. Cheese. Brie. A cheese plate. Oh, it's just cheese. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Ooh, interesting. All right. This is a little red pot question. Okay. How many large whole eggs yield one cup? Oh. That is a good question. One cup. Let's see. One, two, three, four. Eight. Incorrect. Dang it. Dana. Two? Incorrect. Mm. No way. Four? Five. Oh. Five eggs. Five eggs to a cup. One cup. Five large eggs. Okay. All right. Good job, guys. We've attacked this foodie fight thing. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I think lost, all things we considered, we did fight. fairly yeah. well. Yeah. We'll look I up don't know. for next time. We'll look up what the categories are. All right. So this week's topic was a democratic. This was uh, really decision. strange. Yeah, it came <laughs> up in a weird way. We were at trivia, and there was a there was a round where the answer to every question was the name of a rock band, right. but the question had nothing to do with the rock band. So it was talking about blah blah blah, this medieval torture device, and the answer was Iron, Iron Maiden. Maiden. And yeah. there was something about a, a certain type of alcohol that's a hundred and ninety proof, right? right? Something yes. really ridiculously right. high. So the answer is Everclear. And then Colin, you followed that up with. Oh yeah, like we were just talking about, like you know, it's you know, it's a dangerously high proof when your alcohol has to have a flame suppressor or a, a, a flame canceling uh, device on the bottle. So there's a little oh. like metal grate on the Everclear bottle, yeah. that stops flames from accidentally leaping into the bottle and it turning explodes. your party into a yeah. Molotov cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and one five one I think also has that. Right, so then, and right. then I think from there we kind of just started talking about like, oh, just weird trivia about things that are to protect you or safety, safety mm-hmm. devices. Yeah, and we did a show about things that are dangerous, right? Yes. So why not do a show about things that are safe, things that keep you safe? So put on your helmet, strap on your knee pads, fasten your seatbelts, look both ways. We're all about keeping you safe. a quiz for you guys called Safety First, which mm-hmm. is a grab bag of questions about safety, protection, and preventing harm. Okay. So uh, get your buzzers ready. Okay. Jump on in when you think you have the answer. Some of these are multiple choice. Some of these are true, false. Here grab we... Bag, general, grab bag. General okay. grab bag about right. safety, precautions, protection. I'm not a very safe person. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. True or false? Bicycle, motorcycle, and football helmets significantly reduce the risk of concussion. Chris. False. That is false. They're there, to, they're there to keep your brain meats from falling out. The the primary goal oh. of a helmet in either biking or sports is, is to protect against skull fracture, fracture. or bleeding yeah. on the brain. Yep. Strictly speaking, it's, it's not that hard impact that causes a concussion. It's yeah. when your brain slams against the inside of your brain case yeah. or mm-hmm. if your you have... Skull. 
torsional, rotational. Right. That's yeah, where you so get the you damage from like, concussion. You can't insert an extra layer of protection between your brain and your skull. It's going to get jostled. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Whoa. it's you know, I mean, it's really scary. And like in the last year or two, in particular, uh, in professional football here in America, this this issue has really kind of come to the foreground. There's a lot of research and study going mm-hmm. on now that they we just have never done on a large scale with concussions, and they're really finding out that wow, these football helmets really do virtually nothing mm-hmm. against concussions. But prevents their brains from leaking. Yeah, well, sure. It's a, they won't die. It prevents... It, yeah. <laughs> not, not immediately. Yeah. 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 We are just like right now in the infancy of developing concussion protection helmets right now. Yeah. Well, what would that science be? Is it just more padding or what would that entail? So, you know, as I say, like one of the biggest problems is the rotational tension on your brain. So they're working on Ooh. trying to find ways to minimize that. Hmm. You know, things like, things like memory foam to maybe sort of slow down the impact oh, as much as possible. So it's right. not like a sudden halt on your brain. Brain. There's not a lot they can do. It's it's tough when your brain is moving at 20 miles an hour and then stops very suddenly. Yeah. During an earthquake, you are indoors when the shaking starts. Mm-hmm. This is multiple choice. What is the what is the safest course of action when you feel the shaking? A. Get outside as quickly as possible. B. Take cover under a sturdy table or desk. C. Stand inside a doorway or other archway. Chris. Doorway. Incorrect. Oh! Really? I've always heard doorway. Me too. I think it's the table or desk. It is the table yeah. or desk. Really? And Chris, you can be forgiven for thinking that because uh. for years they did tell you, sure. get inside a doorway, get inside an archway. It's the, it's quote, the most stable part of the structure. Huh. Uh, and they found that this really is not, not the safest place oh, to be. Dang. They've done based on years of looking at who survives earthquakes. Uh. They, 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 they worked backwards and they found that people who survived earthquakes were under sturdy pieces of furniture that protected them from falling debris. Sure. So yep. you get under a like table. A Shield, like or a, a desk and hang on tight. It should be emphasized. Hold on. Yes. Um, it's interesting though. I read it. I, I read a little bit about this. Uh, in the in the early days, uh, especially in California, there were a lot of houses built of brick or adobe or unreinforced masonry with wooden door frames. Mm-hmm. And so, after a bad earthquake, often the intact part of the structure would still be the wooden door frame. Yeah. And so yeah. their reasoning was like, oh, this is the best place to stand because mm-hmm. it survived. But it doesn't really work that way uh-huh. because your survivability is a lot better under a table. Hmm. My option would have been round up my dogs. Um, <laughs> my, my mama bear instinct would kick in. Right, get under right. it, cover them with your yeah. body. Yeah. Yeah, Shield them with your, your body. Yeah. 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 And, and then, of course, do go outside once the shaking has stopped. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh, I didn't know that part. Especially if, you, if there's damage to your structure. You know, you want to try and get outside so you're not hurt by a collapsing building. Wow. Yep. Time to invest in some sturdier dining tables. Yeah, I know. I you're going to say sturdier Something dogs. Nice, yeah. trade, oh, no. trade that Ikea for pottery barn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, time to upgrade now. In America, yeah. statistically yes. speaking, what is the number one cause of death for people under the age of 35? Huh. Number one cause of death for people under the age of 35. Dana. Car accidents? It is. Yeah. Automotive accidents. Oh, yes. Sure. Um, there is a huge amount of data all around traffic accidents, of course, as you might imagine, between insurance companies and the Highway Traffic Safety Administration. So, according to Highway Traffic Safety data, what day of the week? What day of the week is the most dangerous mm. day to drive? Interesting. Chris. Wednesday. Not Wednesday. Yeah. Karen. Friday. Not Friday, Dana. Monday? Not Monday, it's oh. Saturday. Yeah. The weekend, people are out. The weekend, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. The, yeah, in terms of like one whole day, in terms of raw number and percentage okay. of cars, Saturday is the most dangerous. Hmm. Uh, and late nights on yeah. Saturdays uh, okay. and Sundays in yep. particular yep. tend to be extremely dangerous. Mid- <laughs> midnight to 3 a.m. on Saturday and Sunday are both, th- those are the one and two. Wow. Um, mm. Last call. It's drunk driving, mm-hmm. people speeding, yep. uh, a lot of people not wearing seatbelts at that time of night. So automotive accidents, yes, number one killer, people under 35. Tell me, we'll go a little bit older here. For people aged 35 to 54 in America, hmm. what is the number one cause of death? Not related to something oh. health-related. You know. Oh, okay. Heart attack or right, cancer. Right, right. Like an injury. What they call an accidental. injury death, right. Okay. Uh, Un- unintentional. Okay. right. Wood chipper. <laughs> not, it is not wood chipper. Falling off from the roof. No, oh, yeah. no. Uh, Drowning? 
No, no. Fire? More, more than fire, more than firearms, more than cars. It is prescription painkiller oh. overdose. Oh, wow. Yeah. What, what they call the category of unintentional poisoning. Oh, and this sure. is crazy. This was almost unheard of as a category of death up until the 1990s. Okay. Of course. Yep. Yeah. Just with the boom in prescription, prescription painkillers. Medica- medication yes. got real Accidental real overdose fast. has yep. now, yeah, it kills more people than anything else. Wow. 35 to 54. Yeesh. Accidental prescription overdose. Read those bottles, So folks. please, yeah. yes, uh. read your bottles. All right, last question. Last question. According to NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, what is the number one cause of indoor lightning-related injuries? What? The number one cause of indoor lightning-related injuries? There's more than one. Uh, <laughs> indoor. Indoor, indoor lightning-related injuries. You guys, are, you guys can uh, reason this one out, I think. Oh, really? Swimming pool? No, you have an indoor so, swimming pool? Okay, so wait. People do. Lightning gets inside the house somehow. Yeah. Um, TV? Oh, yeah, satellite dish. You guys are on, you're on the right track. How does it get in? How does it get in? Corded telephones. Really? Corded oh, telephones. So you're just on the telephone. Yes. Lightning strikes the telephone wire. It travels yes. up all into your telephone. Oh, really? Yes. And it this, comes out your ear. This this not so only is possible. This uh-huh. not only happens. It happens in enough numbers that they can track data on so it. Did yes. They, so did they? Did they used to tell you to like not use your telephone yes. during a lightning yes. storm? Yes. I did not. Know I that. I remember this. I remember. Mm-hmm. Yep. If there's if it's if so, there's so, lots of lightning, don't use your telephone. Lightning strikes the telephone pole outside. Yeah. Right. And, and then there's just a wire, phone. copper wire, yep. basically, right? And, and it's and right it sounds like a final destination. Right it yeah. does. Yeah. It yeah. does yeah. sound like yeah. yeah. Just the killer current following all the way from yeah, all the way into your house. It's a hardwired it's literally a hard wire all the yeah. way from outside up to your face. Sticking out like Thank goodness we got rid of those. Yeah. My in my family we have a story. My great grandmother who she she lived on a farm, grew up on a farm, my mom would tell us that during lightning storms and thunderstorms, she wouldn't use the toilet because she was afraid that the, the lightning's going to zap the pipes and come up and zap her on zap the butt. The water. And everyone, like, we're all like laughed at her. And as I was reading this, they're like, "No, they did in fact advise you to stay away from indoor plumbing for a long, long, long yeah. time." Uh, yeah, and I was like, pipes. "Oh my god, my great grandmother was not is being that crazy." Actually, a problem, or was that it's, like? It's it's much less than it was with corded phones. Yeah. This is not a huge issue, but they would advise you to stay away. You think you'd be safe from lightning indoors, but not oh so. Oh my god, that's so creepy. Not so. All right, stay safe out there, guys. Yeah. Wow. 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 I'm going to think about that lightning through the phone mm-hmm. thing for a long time. That's, yeah, you, you've, you've haunted, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's quite a haunting thought. And also, <laughs> I need to upgrade my uh, dining room table. Yep. Yeah. So, speaking of not one to take an overdose of prescription medication. <laughs> I wanted to have a chat with you guys about child resistant packaging. Child slash adult resistant. Some, yeah, packaging. resistant to everything. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, otherwise known as incorrectly child proof caps. Oh, yeah. And they really say, a lot of the authorities in this situation, they really don't want people saying child-proof. Because you say child-proof, you think to yourself, oh, it's child-proof. And then you just totally forget about any other safety measures that you can take, like not leaving it in a place where they can get you. Oh, it's child-proof. It's not child-proof. It's child resistant. resistant. Don't it like, is, put it in the crib. Or as anything. they say, it is it is your last line of defense. Okay. It is if everything else fails, <laughs> they can't open up the bottle. Hopefully. And and this is that one specific type of cap on medicine bottles. Where there, you have there's push a lot of or? yeah. So I mean, there's there's the classic kind of stuff where you've got to like push it down and turn it. Um, but the, but it, you know it applies to to any kind of child resistant. You know, not only caps on medicine bottles, but just any kind of packaging that has some sort of a device um, that is specifically geared towards defeating the primitive lizard brains of children <laughs> so they don't know what to do. So the invention of childproof caps happened uh, pretty much the way you would expect it did. Um, there, I mean, oh, no. It's, it's no, oh, no, 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 not in a bad way. No, and it's in the oh. sense of, so came from the people you would expect it to come from. In the early 1960s, there was a pediatrician in Ontario, Canada. Yes, it is a Canadian invention. Um, his name is Henry, uh, and his last name is spelled B-R-E-A-U-L-T, and it's pronounced Bro. 
Dr. Bro came home from work one day and told his wife, I am sick of this. He was sick of pumping children's stomachs all the time because there was a lot more medicine in the home. I mean, just things like aspirin, but they'd eat all of it, you know, like they would just get into the medicine and eat it. And it was actually, it was around this time, Canada alone. 100,000 cases a year wow. of children poisoning themselves. Oh my gosh. Right? So, like poisoning and then dying? Or, no, or, no. Or I, well, poison- there were about 100 deaths okay, per okay, year okay. out of 100,000 cases. So they were able to like save the children in, in the vast majority of cases. But the doctor, he was like, I'm sick of this just happening in the first place. Like, how are they just constantly getting into this stuff? So the first thing that Dr. Bro tried to do was to educate the public. This never works. <laughs> so that, that never after works. After everybody finished laughing at that, he moved yeah. on to uh, <laughs> basically, like, attempting to form an alliance between pediatricians and pharmacists and really, like, solicit inventions for, like, how can we create a package for pills or whatnot that you know, children have a hard time opening. So from these efforts uh, directly came the most famous uh, childproof cap, and it's actually called the palm and turn the palm and turn so that is the palm dash capital n dash turn and so that's what that thing is called in the professional parlance it's a palm and turn where you have to push down and turn and it's it's two totally separate types of force you know and that's kind of the important thing the kid is going to apply one force to the bottle rather than applying one then while holding it apply the next one you know so it defeats the child according to the canadian medical hall of fame poisoning dropped by 91 percent after after the palm and turn was fully rolled out and everybody started using 91 percent drop in poison oh my god okay so the problem was access yeah, yeah, basically. Like, totally, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Once the yeah. kids couldn't get in there anymore, it yet totally, totally stopped. So that's the that is the story of the of the palm and turn. It was like, let's invent a thing. We invented it. It Yay. works. Hooray. Yeah. Here's what you might find even more interesting. In 1970, a couple of years after the, in- the invention of the palm and turn, the United States passed the Poison Prevention Packaging Act. And what this essentially did was it just empowered the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission to lay down rules for oh. what kinds of products um, are now required by law to uh. have child-resistant packaging. And number two... How do you determine if a certain kind of package oh. qualifies as child resistant? Uh. So I will tell you about the test. That's, <laughs> I, I'm imagining like mm-hmm. cabin in the woods style, all these different rooms just full of <laughs> different children. I'm just imagining no, like a so, lab of babies in little lab coats. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it, it, you're basically right. Um, so they use uh, test panels of many, ch- like 50 children uh, between the ages of 42 and 51 months. And so basically, they, they don't let any kids test more than two packages okay. because they don't want them to like learn how to open it. They, they kind of bring the kids in totally fresh. So they do the test, not in a cabin in the woods, but in a, in a quote, well lighted room that is familiar to them and is free from distractions. Okay. The tester gives each child an empty child resistant package and says, here, try to open this. And the kid has five minutes. If they open up the package, they are not tested further, and that that test is counted as a fail. Mm. Oh, um, one and done. That's well. I mean, you know, they they add up all the fails, and you've oh, got to okay. get a certain percentage, basically. Got so it. that's mm-hmm. a that's a fail. Now, here's here's where it really gets interesting. In the first five minutes, after the first five minutes, the tester then shows a child how to open the package, oh. and also it says also tells any child who has not tried to use his or her teeth that it is all right to do so. (laughs) So they tell you, use your teeth, use your teeth. Here's how you open it. The child then has five more minutes. Okay. So, and then if they open it again, it's still, it counts as a a, a second stage fail. Hmm. And so basically then... For a package to pass, 85% of the children tested have to be unable to open it in the first test. Mm. And then after being told how, it, it's 80%. Wow. So okay. if you're below 80%, after you, even after you tell the kid how to the open kid. it, um, mm. it's, a, it's a fail. Wow, that's pretty hard. Yep. If the package passes that test... Then they test the adults. Yeah. They bring in- yeah. It's like, can no. I get my medicine yeah. out? Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's exactly yeah. it. They bring in panels... Of senior citizens. Oh, yeah. They bring in panels of adults from ages 50 to 70. Okay. And they give it to them and they say, 
this is how you open this package, and then the adult has five minutes again to be able to open the package. <laughs> That's a long um, time. That is a long and, time. Yeah, but then if they're once they're successful and they get it, they then have a minute to once they learn it, they have a minute to be able to open it and close it properly. Mm, they have okay. to be able to open it. They have to be able to close it. Okay. Um, and so again, it has to pass the adult test wow. of true. adults being able to, to use it. And then it. so if the kid, so they have the whole test. If the kids can't use it and the adults can, then it qualifies as child. Wow, that's cool. so smart. Right now, of course, there's like lots of companies and you know out there that will like do your child resistant packaging and the testing and all that for you. Sure, um, but sure. you can do it on your own. Basically, it's just the, the the U.S. you know the commission just sort of lays out all these rules as to as to how you do wow. it. Wow. Yeah. Palm and turn. Palm and it's turn. Like a, like a 90s R&B group. Yeah. Like Casey and Jojo. Or like a palm street hustler turn. move. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, I got him with the, the palm, palm and turn. turn. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you... Slipping the $20 bill. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's take a quick break. A word from our sponsor. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're back. You're listening to Good Job Brain. And this week, we're talking about facts about safety and things to keep you safe. So similar to Dr. Bro that Chris talked about. Dr. Bro. Um, Bro. My my safety innovation was also really championed by a doctor. Yeah. Yeah, it was a a neurologist, Dr. C. Hunter uh, Sheldon. (laughs) That sounds made up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really does sound like a fake name. He was a neurologist in the Pasadena area in the 50s, and he was seeing a lot of brain injuries related to car accidents. And he's like, these things could be safer. So he wrote an article in the Journal of the American Medical Association proposing all sorts of improvements to cars. Mm. So this was in the 50s. This was in the mid-50s, 54. He proposed all sorts of improvements mm-hmm. like like seatbelts, airbags, um, roll bars, reinforced roofs. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in 1959, Congress started actually requiring all automobiles to comply with certain safety, safety oh, standards. Okay. Oh, cars at that time didn't have any of this stuff? Oh, yeah, That's no. A- so he was like, they didn't have to. They didn't, they didn't have, have to. to have seatbelts. And most of like them the didn't. Oh, yeah. no, it was not the law at all. Oh, my God. It's just a chair. Like, you're yeah. just yeah. sitting You're there. just flying through space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 In your metal box, sliding Whoa. around. 2,000 okay. pounds of. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they yeah. really weren't that far removed from, like, horse and buggy days. You know, it's not like cars. Cars didn't really go that. Hadn't hadn't gone that, that fast, fast for a while. Got it. Yeah. Got like, it. Now that, yeah. Now, now they're going really fast. Right. And you can get really injured. So he's like, hey, hey, guys. It wasn't until 1958 that seatbelts were standard in cars. Before mm-hmm. that, was like an option you could up- yeah, upgrade it. Saab little, was the first yeah, yeah. one to do it. Saab? As a, Saab? Saab oh, Swedish. Oh, yeah. that's good trivia. Yeah. Do you remember those automatic seatbelts? Oh, the, yeah. The ones oh, that are part God. of the door. I, I hate them. Oh, God. Those were terrible. I hated those things. It's like the seatbelt so, that travels around the door inside yeah. to mm-hmm. lock you in. Yes. You, you because know, there, there was an issue where people wouldn't put on their seatbelts. Like, they didn't. Uh, so uh, so they were like, we'll take care. We'll take all the friction out of this don't, interaction. Don't worry like, about it. We'll put the yeah, seatbelt on you. Well, we got it. It's going to be great. Yep. And so uh, they were huge in the 70s. Uh, um, it started in the seven, in the late 70s. There was a wow. mandate that all cars needed automatic seatbelts or airbags. Oh, that's earlier pick. than Either I remember. Or. Either yeah. wow, or. Yes. That's way earlier than I thought. Yes, it was during the Carter, Carter yeah. administration. It was super controversial. Automakers didn't want to do it. And 
would go back and forth. It was political. Um, mm. The Reagan administration almost overturned it, and the yeah. Supreme Court said no. And so they, yep. for a long time, cars would get the automatic seatbelts because they didn't want to buy the more expensive airbags for them. Oh, God, because there was a price difference. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> In 1995, the airbags became met, like standard or requirement for the cars, and so then they stopped putting in automatic seatbelts. Oh, belts. is that the only reason yes. that they stopped? Because they were like, we don't have to. So it was the cheapest of two options. It's, it's wow. cheaper. Here's the thing. The automatic ones are not better than the than the manual ones mm. because they're hooked into your door. So right, if your right. door opens and your car crash, you might fall yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still have to do, on some of them, you still have to do the, the manual lap, lap belt. Yeah. Right. If you don't do the manual part, it's not very effective. Yeah, right. I definitely mm, remember yeah. there were a lot of people who would just disconnect them. You know, it's like, oh, it's too annoying. Yeah. I'm not going to use it at all, which I'm sure no. is even oh, the, yeah. the worst possible outcome. Yeah. Right. Now yeah. you have people no found it belt. Exactly. Yeah. People seat, found yeah. it annoying, would, uh, would disengage from it. So I have a couple questions for you guys about okay. seatbelts. All right. We could just talk it through if okay. you like. Oh, okay. All right. Let's keep it cash. Keep, <laughs> keep it cash. We'll keep this cash, but seatbelt wearing is not casual. It's mandatory. That's right. There you go. Okay. Officer Dana says. Yeah. Right. Oh. <laughs> anything right. casual, anything not casual is mandatory. <laughs> That's right. According to the CDC, are men or women more likely to wear their seatbelts? Oh. I feel like it's. I, I'm gonna. I I'm gonna know. openly embrace the stereotype. I feel like it's got to be women. I bet women are more likely to wear them. Yes, women are 10 percent more likely to yeah. wear their seatbelts. Wow. Only one state in the United States does not require adults to wear a seatbelt. Really? Oh. Yes, just one. Okay. Do you guys know what state? It's got to um, be some super libertarian state. Maine, uh, Maine maybe? Uh, or Maine, not really. Wyoming? New Hampshire? New Hampshire? It is New Hampshire. Okay. Yeah. Live okay. free or die. Yeah. Live yeah. free or die. Yeah. Personal no liberties. They also have the second lowest seatbelt usage of any state because it's not <laughs> mandatory. <laughs> wait, wait. It's the only state where it's not mandatory, yeah. and yet they only have the second lowest seatbelt usage. Yeah, so there's think, a oh. state where even fewer people wear <laughs> seatbelts, and they're flouting the law. The yeah. scoff law. Yeah. So there's a thing. Uh, there's primary enforcement and secondary enforcement. Okay. So primary enforcement is you could be stopped for not wearing your seatbelt. California yeah. is like that. That's yep. primary enforcement. Secondary enforcement is if, if you're, you're stopped, stopped. Mm. and they yeah. also notice you are not wearing your seatbelt, uh-huh. then you get the ticket. So there's different states have different. Yes. Got it. And going to primary enforcement, like, no surprise, significantly increases the rate of people wearing their seatbelts. Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Mississippi went from, like, a secondary to a primary state, uh-huh. and their their uh, seatbelt rate went up right. by 30% or something yep. like that. What is the most expensive place to get a ticket for not wearing your seatbelt? <sighs> like, oh, you state? mean? State. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I'll just throw this out there. Cal- is it California? California? I'm gonna no. I'm gonna guess it's somewhere where there's it's it's somewhere in the oh I was gonna say oh. like yeah somewhere with a lot of open highways oh, like yeah. I don't know Arizona Nevada something like that. Uh, it's Texas. Texas. You were, okay. you were close. Okay. Yeah, Texas on Wikipedia they said it was two hundred dollars in California on your second time with all the fees was one ninety. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So Texas still won. They have a bigger ticket for not wearing your <laughs> be, bigger, better, bigger click it ticket. The ticket itself is eight inches by thirteen inches. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. right. so i just got off a plane this morning and then i came here to to record and uh of course in an episode about safety i have airplane safety stuff that we know Mm -hmm. that we've been trained and brainwashed that we just know (laughs) but maybe we don't know why or for Mm. what reason and so i kind of looked into more of the stuff thanks to a british airways flight safety awareness course Mm. um you can actually they have a lot of stuff on on safety that's kind of open to the public. Like you can hmm. learn more if you want to, or you can even do a simulated uh, training course that takes like a day, and you go through the safety training in different situations. You get to you get to inflate the 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 slide. Oh really? Oh cool. Down. I always want to do that yeah. as a kid. So yeah. like an opening door. So all that stuff they simulate, and you can you can actually partake and, and learn why things happen and hmm. stuff like that. Demystifies it. Yeah. That's cool. This never happened to me. I always wonder. I mean, obviously, yeah. these are bad situations, <laughs> but you just kind of want to see it happen. Oxygen masks. 
Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I've never, I've never seen that happen. Never had that no. happen. No, no. So when that happens, mm. what is what do those safety videos tell you to do first? Put uh, on your, your, mask. your mask before yeah. assisting a child. Yep. Yeah. Before before, before putting helping on someone else. Before helping yeah. anybody. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially a child. Because you, yeah. <laughs> you can't help anybody if you don't have any oxygen. So yes. Yeah. There's a more specific reason. Oh yeah. Because. Say that happens when uh, uh there's decompression in the cabin, right? Yes. So, which means that basically means all the oxygen would be sucked out of the plane and your lungs. So you probably only have like 20 seconds, you know, in a very bad case scenario. And so what happens is then you will experience confusion and mm. you're in a weird stoned, yeah. hazy state. It messes with your judgment. Yeah. Yes, and 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 it's you just kind of forget and you're flighty and you're hazy uh. and so so you have to help yourself first before get, hitting that state yeah. before putting say a mask on a child mm-hmm. because they mm-hmm. probably can't do it themselves i thought it was oh i just want to breathe air and i should really always help kids yes but very specifically you'll be in a state where you're like whoa you won't be able to help yourself you nope. won't be able to help uh, the child yeah, yeah. so you'll be drunk there's a lack of oxygen yeah. going to your brain yep and act quickly mm-hmm. really fast while you're settling in, you're sitting in your seat, you might be reading a book, and then you're taking off, and all of a sudden, all the lights are off, and you're like, darn it, I want to read my thing. So then you have to push your own little light. Why do they turn the lights off when you take off? Hmm. They turn the lights off when you take off. I mean, the the first thing that comes to mind is just to minimize any possible drain on the system, but it seems like a plane would be more robust than that. Yeah. It is so that passengers, their eyes can adjust to the dark. If anything happens and say powers off or whatever, their eyes are already adjusted to the dark so Mm, they can see versus you're in a super bright airplane. Mm. All of a sudden power Mm. goes off. Then you're like almost temporarily blind. Not blind. Yeah. Yeah. It's disorienting. Right. So I was like, oh, that's kind of dark to think about, but right, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, all of these are like. This yeah, is why I fly with an eye patch. So I've already got that one eye is always ready. It's just, like, yeah. but your depth perception yeah. is horrible. Yeah. Right. yeah. Do you guys know what a May West is? May West. Oh, are those the uh, the the around the neck inflatable life preservers? Yes. Uh, the is personal rhyming slam. The, the personal flotation device. Oh, or hello, the governor. Or Let the, me put on my May West. I, I think it. it's more a visual reference. It, it is. It's oh, okay. Yeah, that sure. Inflatable yeah. yellow life vest because it looks like you have a big big boob figure. That's hilarious. Well, it is Cockney rhyming slang though because yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a life vest. Oh yeah, it's right. like, no, that's May what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 May West life. Best? Yeah, right. Yeah. Life best, uh, big chest, May West. <laughs> Life best, big chest. <laughs> I don't know That's who good. does this, but there apparently a large number of people steal those life vests oh, really? off of planes as souvenirs. I've How never people do that? You, people. Can just, you can just take it out. They're, yeah? just, they're, they're right. underneath your seat. Yeah. yeah. That's reprehensible. It That's, is. Yeah. It's, it's take horrible. Take the Sky Mall. Yeah, yeah it's horrible. Yeah. It is not a cool souvenir to have. If you're getting onto your seat, you might want to check to see if your life vest is there or some jerk before you took I've it. I've never checked. I've never. Never. I've never touched it. I, it didn't even occur to me no. that this was a thing to be concerned about until no. just now. If you don't have it, you're supposed to tell the flight attendant that you don't have it. I've never seen anyone tell a flight attendant that no, they yeah, don't have it. Me. Wants, yeah, well, who wants to be the one who's like, excuse <laughs> me, I don't have my life vest. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be like, why were you checking for your life vest? It's like <laughs> somebody called. Good job, Ray. Good job, Ray. Told me to. (laughs) Also, another very subtle thing, uh, subtle thing that they tell you about life vests these days is when they're talking about putting on, you know, uh, inflating your life vest. It's always when you're outside. Uh You always say, "Inflate when you're outside." Right, so you can fit through the door. This was in the nineties. Was there a? There was an incident. Ethiopian Airlines Flight Nine Six One was hijacked in November Mm -hmm. nineteen ninety six. And they had a crash landing in, in, the, in the ocean, the water. The water so then all the people in the cabin started putting on their life vests and inflating. They can't get through the doorway. Mm. And also, they're so oh. buoyant. The water came into the cabin and they, they can't. Oh, oh. they can, like, get trapped get inside out. the cabin. They were trapped. Oh, my ah. gosh. Now they ex- explicitly say, put on your life or inflate your wow. life vest when you're 
outside when you're ready yep. to jump on the inflatable slide. Wow. So most of the time they'll say this, you, you'll see this in um, the little clip art or the little safety uh-huh. guidebook. I also like the, the very subtle nuance between when you're outside versus when you hit the water. Oh, I'm just, I'm outdoors now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, in the yeah. event of a water landing, <laughs> yeah. there is no such thing <laughs> you land as a water, water landing. <laughs> it's called a crash. <laughs> oh, God. Wait, can planes not land on water. Well, they don't certain, have the ability to land on the water. Yeah, water like water planes, like with the skis on the bottom of the oh, yeah. that, Indiana that Jones plane, plane can, can... Yeah, Indiana Jones plane, exactly. Yeah. That plane can conduct a water landing. It can land on the water. Yeah. There's a reason why, like, you don't hear a lot of this stuff, especially if you go take the, the British Airways course that they don't mention in the safety video or whatever, because... It's too much information. Yeah. yeah. And for a person to sit there, you're already not paying attention. Right. You're already. They have yeah. to distill it down to like just the, the, the important the probable stuff. Items. Right. Yeah. 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 And then also be tactful enough to kind of explain what the reasoning is, you know, just to not freak you out. Mm-hmm. That was a fun plane ride this morning. <laughs> researching <laughs> After, all the things that could go yeah, wrong. I was yep. researching this on, on the plane. A, plane. Uh, a little bit scary. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Man, this episode's getting a little dark. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I can't promise it's going to get necessarily the, uh, any lighter. Okay. Um, oh, all these all these safety devices, like they had to come from something bad. From happening. something yeah. bad happening. Yep. So yeah, we didn't know it was going to be so dark, but we got one last segment, Colin. Yes, and I'll, I'll do my best. Some sunshine, or I'll, no? I'll do my best to well. infuse some uh, some levity into okay. this segment. Um, I want to talk to you guys about bulletproof vests. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, it's a barrel of monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> this is about the protecting you and saving. Lives. Right. Obviously, if you are in the military or law enforcement, uh, in particularly dangerous parts of the world or parts of certain cities, uh, having a bulletproof vest is going to be your first line of defense if someone's shooting at you. Yeah. And, you know, so more broadly speaking, bulletproof vests, which is an old term, by the way, falls under well, you know, body armor, sort of as a category. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's all kinds of body armor depending on what your specific need is. For, oh, okay. for any part of your body that can be armored these days, there's, there's a piece of armor that, that can fit it. The most well-known material in bulletproof vests is... Kevlar. Kevlar, yes, that's right. I knew you guys would know that. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of material is Kevlar? Mm-hmm. Like, if, if you were to hold some Kevlar in your hand, oh. like, what, what type of material are we talking about? Corn. Like, is it corn? <laughs> it's not uh, corn. It's like textile fabric. Yeah, that's like right. Really that's right. Tightly woven kind of fabric. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, strictly speaking, it's not a gel. Right. So, so really, technically, the Kevlar is the material, the fiber out yeah. of which they make the fabric. It's man-made. Uh, it was invented at Dupont. It was mm. invented by a woman, Steph- wow. Stephanie Quolek, was a chemist working for Dupont uh, in the 1960s. Uh, it wasn't called Kevlar, obviously. It was a chemical name that I will spare you. Her group, they were researching uh, materials to make tires more durable. Hmm. They were trying to find fabrics and materials that could just make tires run longer, save money. Uh, a lot of people, you know, you have this image of, like, from Bugs Bunny cartoons, bulletproof vests or, like, this, like, rigid material, you know, they'll show, like... The, the bank robbers with bullets, you know, flying off their chest and ricocheting all around. No. That's that's not how Kevlar stops a, a bullet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like a super rigid bulletproof vest isn't isn't feasible for a couple of reasons. Like 
the, the strength to weight ratio that you would oh, have to have true. of like steel. I mean, you could, you know, cover yourself with steel plates, yeah. but that's not really feasible if you're a cop on the beat or a soldier right. out in the field. And then Heavy. the bullet goes into the steel plate and the steel plate shatters and it goes, you know, or sticks up in your head. It's just, yeah. just, just so, yeah. I mean, <laughs> right, right. There's a reason we don't have knights in armor walking around basically on the street anymore. As awesome as that would be. <laughs> it's very noisy. Clank, clank, yeah. clank, 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 clank. You always, you know, the no- you, you can't do undercover police work yeah. anymore. Yeah, he's an undercover knight. Clank in a Around. It's just like say, a knight wearing like a nothing t-shirt. Of, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, those those sunglasses. Yeah. And right. like <laughs> but yeah, as as you implied, right? The other issue is is ricochets. Yeah. So okay, yeah. great. Maybe you did have a steel plate that deflects a bullet. It deflects it into the guy standing next to you. <laughs> and that's nobody nobody right. wants that. That's and now not he good. has to have a steel plate, and then it goes bang bing. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Kevlar, so so Kevlar stops bullets by being extremely densely woven fabric, mm-hmm. and the fiber has an extremely, extremely high tensile strength. Hmm. Way stronger than steel, meaning tensile strength, if you pull on it, it's extremely hard to break it. So when you're wearing a Kevlar vest, uh, you know, and most Kevlar vests are many layers. So it's that's, not just exactly one it, right. sheet of Kevlar. Yeah. yeah. It'll be multiple, multiple layers. Because you can have really huh. thin sheets of Kevlar. Absolutely. That stop bullets. Penn and Teller wrote a, a book. Uh, they wrote a bunch of books back in the day. They include a whole bunch of like little magic tricks in with the book, obviously, of course, right? And so one of the things they included with one of the books was a sugar packet, <laughs> fake sugar packet that. made of a thin sheet of Kevlar. And it's impossible to, to open. open. To so you just open. put it in with a sugar pack. So he picks it up and it's, it, as much as they tear this thing, as but it prank. feels like paper. You know, it yeah, feels like it a does. really thin sheet of paper. It feels like a sugar packet. Where it gets its strength is the bullet can't make its way through the fibers. It basically comes down that to dense. it's so dense and it dissipates the energy, right? Mm. So it hits the fibers. Because the fibers are so strong, as they try and stretch out, it dissipates the energy oh. along the length of all the fibers. Yeah. It spreads yeah. it out so it's not concentrated in a spot. In one right. spot right. where you get right. hurt. Um, now you still don't actually want to get shot while no. wearing Kevlar. You can you... go online or if you know anybody who's in the military or law enforcement, like if even if you have a Kevlar vest on and even if it stops the bullet, you are going to have a nasty has... bruise underneath right. there. Right. Yeah, right. because yeah. it is still flexible. Yep. A lot of heavy-duty body armor these days will be a combination, in fact, of oh, yeah. Kevlar. With They will put steel plates in or, mm-hmm. you know, even more common composite plates or ceramics, you know. So it's a mixture of the flexibility with, with some rigid material. A lot of the earliest innovation in bulletproof vest technology was done by outlaws, criminals and outlaws. Oh, I bet. Because, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. it was if you're going to go hold up a train or rob a bank, you know, mm-hmm. you know that the law is coming after you and they're going to be firing at oh, you. Oh my God. <laughs> so it's funny. There are many tales of, you know, outlaw gangs, criminal gangs with homemade improvised bulletproof vests. And it can be anything from just a lots of layers of fabric or cotton or straw, you know, again, works reasonably well. There are tales of people, you know, shovel, sh- mm-hmm. shovel blades, you know, just whatever chunks oh. of metal you can get your hands on um if if i learned anything from movies it's that the absolute best methods of stopping a bullet are with an important personal memento that someone gives (laughs) you that you place in your chest (laughs) yes the The family bible or the silver dollar (laughs) from my grandpa or the badge World War One was sort of the uh, was the first modern conflict where where armies really kind of started getting interested in body armor or bulletproof mm-hmm. vests on a, on a wide scale. So they started rolling them out around World War One. They've gotten a little bit better, obviously, in every succeeding generation since then. They're very advanced today. Uh, early on, it was fairly crude. They were just a lot of rigid materials. And so you might be thinking that the fiber based bulletproof vest, like, oh, this is the latest technology. Yeah. This is the new stuff. But not so. Let's travel back very quickly here to Tombstone, Arizona. Ooh. Yes, yes. The the Tombstone, Arizona of the Wild West. Doc mm. Holliday, yeah. Wyatt Earp. Named after the movie. Yes. 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 And the pizza. Mm-hmm. Safe to say, even with Hollywood exaggeration, yeah, gunfights gun fights aplenty in the Wild West in Tombstone, Arizona. There was a physician who lived in Tombstone in the late 1800s, Dr. George Goodfellow. And he got interested in and started researching the seemingly magical properties of silk as bullet protection. So this was in 1880s Arizona. 
there were a couple incidents in particular that really got him interested in this. Uh, there was a man named Luke Short who shot a man named Charlie Storms uh, in Ooh. Tombstone. He killed him. Killed him. Oh. Uh, and a bullet from Short's gun hit a silk handkerchief that was in Storms' pocket and pushed it all the way into his heart. This is, this is a little gruesome. And he's like, well, that's interesting. What What is it about this silk handkerchief mm-hmm. yeah. that his regular clothes and his skin and bone and heart couldn't stop? Yeah. There was another incident. Uh, there was an outlaw named Billy Grounds. I love these old oh, West yeah. outlaw yeah. names. Yeah, yes. great names. Billy Grounds uh, ran into a sheriff's deputy and got shot full blast in the face with the oh. deputy's shotgun. Wow. Uh, it killed him instantly. Okay. Um, but again, Dr. Goodfellow was, you know, performing the autopsy, looking at the body, and he noticed all the shotgun pellets, they went through his hat, they went all around his head, his neck, but his silk neckerchief that he was wearing oh. didn't get penetrated by the shotgun pellets. Mm-hmm. He right. was stylish, too. Yeah. Nice little cravat. Yeah. So this is 1880s, and he and people again are noticing, like, wow, it doesn't have to be super rigid. It doesn't have to be something really strong. Mm-hmm. It's about the tensile strength. Hmm. And so as I looked into it a little bit more, it turns out uh, that silk-based, fabric-based bulletproof vests were not just feasible, they started being made. Oh. So. By 1900, you could buy a bulletproof vest made out of many layers. It wasn't just a handkerchief level, several layers of silk. Uh, and, you know, these would work comparatively well. You know, I mean, keep in mind, bullets traveled a lot slower back then. You know, yeah. it was, you know, a hand-packed black powder gun. It's not like a modern-day assault rifle. For $800 oh. in 1914, you Whoa. could buy a bulletproof, silk bulletproof vest. That's a lot of money. That's That's, that's almost $20,000 today. Wow. So, so imagine for you know, $20,000. if you were stealing that money... Yeah, then you had, you know, sure. yeah. make it back. Yep. Yeah, or if you were a dignitary or a world oh, leader sure. in 1914... Archduke Franz Ferdinand of what? Austria, uh-huh. who, of course, uh, his assassination is what kicked off World War One. On the day he was shot, he was wearing a silk bulletproof vest, huh. very much uh-huh. like the one I just described. Huh. Uh, of course, he can afford it. Mm-hmm. Now, as anyone who has been <laughs> in a field of battle will tell you, it doesn't matter how good your vest is. If it's not covering the area that you get shot. Oh. And in fact, yes, Franz Ferdinand was shot in the neck. Yep. Oh my god! Above the area where he was wearing the vest. Yeah. And just imagine, you know, I mean, this is one of those course of history event kind of things in mm. an alternate scenario. If he had been shot a few inches lower, who knows? The vest might have stopped the bullet and saved his life. <gasps> That's an amazing story. So yep. it just it just unraveled and unraveled and just interesting, yeah, so to speak. Yes, yeah. interesting threads of stories about yep. bulletproof vests like, and body and, armor. And imagine like silk coming out from like worm butts, you know, that can can do this. <laughs> well, I mean, we've had, yeah, I've talked before. Have you ever seen a, a, a silk worm with a bullet wound? No, no. <laughs> I rest QED. my arrogance. All right, and that is our show on safety. Thanks to you guys for joining me, and thanks you guys for listening in. Hope you learned a lot of stuff about worm butts. I just want to say that again. <laughs> uh, child resistant. Yes. Resistant mm-hmm. packaging. Yeah. Seat belts, airplane safety, and more. Of course, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and our website, goodjobbrain.com. Thanks to our sponsor, Audible, and we'll see you guys Next week. Bye. Bye bye now. Bye bye. Bye bye now. Bye bye. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.